So my name is Amy Merritt, and I have four children, and I've been married for, it'll be 16 years this June, which is sometimes a very big accomplishment. <laughs> a little bit about myself was I've always, after my you know dreams of a little girl being wanting to be like a, a doctor or a teacher, I was like, oh, you know what? A mother sounds great. Like being a wife and a mother was really my dream and my goal, and uh, that doesn't always play out how we want it to play out. Life is a journey. And we're all at different points on our journey, and that's okay. I'm Steph Reynolds, Director of Partner Care here at Shine.fm. The purpose of our journey is simple, but sometimes it's difficult. Our job is to keep moving forward and becoming more like Jesus. Amy wanted nothing more than to be a wife and a mother. God takes us on a journey that includes detours of grief. This is Shine 180, stories of lives transformed by God because of your faithfulness. Here is Amy's story. I always had a dream of, well, I'm going to be married when I'm young. My mother was married at 20, and I'm going to be married at 20. I was married at 21, two days in, so I just made it. But then I also wanted to go to college, and that looked different too. So it was almost like every time I had a plan for my life, God was like, hold on, we're going to go this way. So the same with having children. I was like, well, okay, we're married, so let's get on this game plan here of having children. And I was very impatient. I wanted to have children right away, and my husband has always had the reins me, which is good. It's a good thing. And I'm learning to embrace that. We were pregnant with our first baby. And shortly after, I think 10 weeks later, uh, we found out we had lost that baby's. I had two miscarriages early on, and that was really hard for me. I did not give God the glory in that. At first, kind of like, oh, okay, well, it's not for us. And then the grief hit in and I was very angry and bitter. That's all, all I can describe it. I just wanted a baby. I struggled over that because when you're trying to have a baby, like one month turns into four and and a month that is 30 days feels like 90. So it was really hard because all my friends were having babies and people who I was on that journey with, now I'm not. So that was really hard. And it was a long time of that grief where I just, you know, was just so, I, and all I can say is angry, but I just remember one night crying, like in bed. And I'm sure I was a pain to my husband because he had to go through. He was probably like, who is this woman? She's not the girl I thought I married. I was just struggling so bad. And I was like, I just want a baby. My husband was like, you know what? You're going to have a baby. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I don't want another baby. I want the ones that I lost. And it was in that moment when he had probably had enough of me. He was just so tired of hearing me whine and complain that he was like, you know what? You were never supposed to have those babies. And it really hit in my head, in my heart, like my eyes were open and I was like, oh, I was never supposed to have those babies. We dealt with that and we got pregnant with our third first baby and I had a boy and it was just amazing. And he was everything we wanted, hoped, dreamed. And again, like, you know, every first mom has like their birth plan in a way that they're supposed to deliver and it's supposed to be amazing and glorious. And mine wasn't that. That again got taken from me. I was sicker during having him and my blood pressure was high. So we had to go through that route and it was okay because I had a baby and he was great. And then 14 months later, I had another baby. God is good. He is gracious. 
gracious and he just was like, you know what? That's okay. So my pain was gone. My bitterness, my anger, of course, was gone because when we get good things, we forget the hard things or the things we cry over. You know, some a lot of times I equate my story in my life with how I am a parent to my children. Like God has given us that picture. So I forgot about the hard times. So I had a boy who was, you know, 14 months older than my daughter and life was good. Things were great. And shortly after I was pregnant again, I was very easygoing, like, sure, three's great. Third time's a charm. And here we're going to have another baby. And so I was embracing the fact when I was pregnant with my second, I was in tears, like, how am I going to take care of two kids at the same time? I was remember one day being huge pregnant and like crying, walking down the stairs, putting my oldest down for nap, like they're never going going to nap at the same time. So after this third one that I was pregnant with, I was like, whatever. I'm easy going. We are just going to go with the flow. If I have to diaper all three down on the floor, then that's what we're going to do. But yet again, God does not. He, his plans are not our plans. And in all of that, his goodness has shown forth. Being able to realize and trust that God has a bigger plan. It's not always the easiest thing to do. But when you look back, it's definitely the right thing. I was a month before having our third baby. And I love this story because it just doesn't seem real. So we were at the hospital. We were finally got a date night. We handed over our two toddlers to a friend and they graciously kept them for an evening. We got to go to a hospital and I saw a new baby that was born just two days. It was two days old. So we were with friends. We got to see this cute baby and I was huge pregnant. And the nurses were like, oh, you're not going to need a room, are you? And I was like, no, I have a month to go. I'm almost 36 weeks, we're good. And so they kept saying that over and over. And I was like, no, I'm good. They're like, well, good, because the hospital is packed. We don't have a room for you. So please don't go into labor. And I was like, no big deal. So we go out to eat. We go to bed that night and I woke up. I had to go to the bathroom because of course, when you're really large and pregnant, it happens a lot. So then just an hour later, out of a deep sleep, I thought I had lost control of my bladder, but my water had broke. So here we are 36 weeks and I'm like, here we go. Here's another baby. And we're joking and we're laughing and we're like freaking out because in the middle of the night, who's supposed to watch our children while we, you know, television version of rushing to the hospital because your water broke. I mean, you have time, but (laughs) nobody really wants to take all that time because it's exciting. So we get to the hospital early, like three, four in the morning and things are just scheduled. Like we are sitting there, we're talking about baby names. We are just excited because we don't find out what we're having ever. I always keep it an intense surprise because I love that adrenaline rush, I guess, or that anticipation. We're talking and it's so early in the morning. My sister is at home with our two toddlers and I told my husband, go home. We know this game plan. I'm going to be here for a long time. He finally gives in. I was trying to like, just go. I'm going to I'm going to be laboring most of the day. Go home, get some rest, go get breakfast, go get a shower, go see our two children at home, get everything going in the morning and come back. Make sure you come back because <laughs> I will need you. My mom was there with me. And when you're stuck in the hospital on Pitocin, you know the routine. So after having a baby, the third one, you know their game plan. So I was trying to get up to go to the bathroom as much as possible. I wanted to be able to walk around while having contractions. I got up for the third time to use the bathroom. And I felt a little kick in my stomach. I've just felt like, oh, the baby kicked because I was moving and no, no big deal. I go to the bathroom and um, I came back and I asked the nurse, so is it normal to be bleeding after your water breaks? Because I this never has happened to me before. She's like, well, and she was real calm and probably terrified inside because she knew that was not typical, but she didn't let me know it. And she went to go put the belt back on me. She couldn't find the heartbeat. 
she moved to the other side. She had me moving a few different ways. They gave me oxygen. They're just like, here, let's just do this. Well, then it started getting more and more nurses were coming in. And finally, the doctor on call came in and he was kind of panicked. And I didn't know this man. And usually when the time comes, you don't care who's in the room. But he came in and he was basically like, listen, you need to have a C-section right now. It's basically like your baby's underwater and someone just removed a scuba mask off of them. And in that immediate moment, I was like, okay, whatever you need to do, have at it. So they rushed me down and everything was just crazy because my husband wasn't there. My mother was there and I love my mother dearly, but she wasn't my husband. They rushed me down. It was very, this part was so dramatic that when I do think back and remember it, I'm like, whoa, like it was just crazy. The things that went on, they they couldn't lift me onto the next table. It was just so fast, like just like a movie, you know, so intense. I felt like in those moments, I had just felt like they were trying to get me to go to sleep as fast as possible. And so they had to put me under. And at that moment, I didn't know if I was dying or if my baby was dying. Putting your life completely in the hands of the Father and trusting Him with a ruthless trust that everything will be okay. I was still okay. I knew like they're doctors. And in that moment, I was, I don't want to say I was okay if I were going to die. I was hopeful that I wouldn't, uh, but I didn't know. And so the last things I heard was, I want her out. I want this baby out in three minutes. And the last thing I heard before going unconscious was the heart rate was at 40. And I woke up, my eyes opened. All I heard was crying. I heard nurses sniffing, people behind me, like behind my head crying. And it was very silent, but I was still not with it. Though in those moments, I knew my husband was at the left side of me and I think my doctor was at the right side of me. And all I heard was silent crying. I looked up and I said, yes or no? And my husband said, no. <laughs> it, it was the strangest moment because I knew that meant she was gone. And it was okay. It wasn't okay because I was happy, but I knew it was okay because God made it okay. And he would make it okay. In that moment, his grace had just overcome me as if someone put a warm blanket on me. When you have a warm blanket on you, like your fears go away. You know, when you're comforted with a blanket, <laughs> you calm down and you're okay. And what I didn't know was my husband was holding our sweet baby. We had a little girl and her name was Liliana Grace. And there's so much that has come from just even her name. But so he was holding her and all he said was, do you want to hold her? And I said, no, <laughs> I did not want to hold her. And I didn't want to not hold her because I didn't want to see her. I couldn't face her. I was in that moment more terrified of the beeping machines because I have a lot of anxieties. And if I hear a beeping machine, I feel like, oh, great, I'm going to panic more. So I knew if I were to see her, those machines would beep more and more and more. And so I said, no, I don't want to see her. And it, all I could feel was the intense pain of having a C-section. And that hurt like crazy. Um, so I was dealing with that pain and processing, okay, in a few moments, I'm going to have to face this baby that I don't get to keep. In a sense, I, w I was really okay with it while not being okay with it because God had allowed me to be okay with it. Like his grace was so sufficient in that moment. I can only think of it as being comforted and his grace is sufficient 
sufficient. And he promises that for us. And it is so true. And sometimes when I say that, it seems like, okay, yeah, because of this, that's why you can say that. But for so much of what I've gone through, I can stand firm on that. Like God's grace is overly sufficient. And it wasn't sufficient for me leading up to losing her. But in that moment, he made it completely sufficient. And that's really what I have been able to stand on for 10 years. I finally make it to the other room, groggy, nauseous, and God just revealed himself the entire hospital stay and the entire week after losing her. The nurses and doctor left me in the labor and delivery side of the hospital. Usually when you have a C-section, you you recover on the C-section side. It's quieter. You don't hear a lot because you just went through surgery, but they left me in the labor and delivery room, the typical birthing suites, which was a really nice room. It was really big, but they left me there, which meant I could hear the crying babies. I could hear the, you know, you, you always hear the music after a baby's born. It's okay that that happened because the way God allowed things to happen for us is not typical. My doctor, my nurses were always on guard waiting for me to break down. And because of God's grace, I broke down in different ways. I had different moments of, of grief and maybe it was shock. Maybe you can call it shock. I don't know. But I know that God was in control And immediately I was okay because I still had two toddlers at home that I knew God wanted me to care for. He let us go through being pregnant for nine months. I was 35 weeks and five days. So I was just in that home stretch and he had me carry her that whole time. And then he had me lose her too. And it was okay because my time was done caring for that baby. And he still had two more for me at home. And that's what I remember saying, like our pastor and his wife came in immediately. We had the friends we had just seen the night before to come see me. And that's what I remember in in and out of my grogginess. I remember opening my eyes and seeing them. And the one thing I do remember saying to um, my pastor and his wife, you know, they were probably there to comfort me. They were probably like geared up, ready to be strong, even though they were probably not wanting to be strong in that moment. But I do remember saying to them, I just felt so bad. And I didn't feel bad for me. I felt bad for those nurses. And I felt bad for that doctor that had to deliver that baby that didn't make it because I had hope and I knew how good God was. And I knew the plan that God had for me, even if it was jumbled still in my head, I knew that I wasn't there to care for that baby anymore. And God was good that he took her because that was his plan. But I felt bad because those nurses, not all of them probably had hope. And here they thought like they now have a bad day. They're having a bad day because they weren't able to give me a baby. That's their job to care for that baby and for me. And so I remember just telling my pastor and his wife, like, I just I just feel so bad because they don't have the same hope that I have. So it was just neat to see how God unfolded all those things. He allowed so many people into our room and it was it was really like a party. And now looking back, I wonder, was I okay doing that? And really I was. Like I don't regret anything that happened during that time or how we um, coped with losing a baby. Um, other people might cope differently. Everybody's journey is different. It's okay. Grief is different and grief is different for everybody. The hardest part for me was when my milk came in that night because here I didn't have another baby to give it to. And I knew, I knew that feeling. And it's just, it's just nature. It's just our human self of how we're supposed to care for our children. So that was, that was really hard. And that was a grief that I had to overcome. But other ways of how God provided for us and and carried us through, which he already had this plan before we ever lost her. And he knew what he was going to unfold to us. It's just, it was just so neat to see God working. God's grace is sufficient. Even in unthinkable times of intense tragedy, he is the ever-present comforter and provider. So my husband is a teacher. 
early on in our marriage and early on in his teaching, he didn't get paid over the summer. And so he was always stressing come March, April, May of what is what is he going to do in the summer? And we lost our baby on May 30th, 2009. And so here it's the last week of school and he's supposed to be lining something up to work all summer. But how do you work and how do you leave your two young kids and your wife who had just lost a baby? Like, how do you leave them? But God... He provided for us in weird ways. So what's weird for me is that sometimes when you lose, people don't know how to care for you other than to bless you with money. And that might sound weird, but we had an overabundance of people loving us in that way, just giving us monetary donations. And it blew us away. Like it was it was not expected. We didn't hope for that, but God provided. He knew that that summer my husband was going to stay home and God allowed that to happen by giving us all those donations. So because of that, my husband was able to stay home the entire summer and we were able to just be a family of four and to be able to do that. And it also paid for her burial and everything like that. So God has just been amazing. Um, He was amazing at the very beginning. He was amazing before everything happened and during and even 10 years later, he's still revealing things that he's done. So it's just been really overpowering and it's sometimes hard to relive and to think back because it's weird to think that, oh, that's that's our life that happened to. The grief was hard and it was up and down. We had bad days, but God's love and mercy and grace and rest and comfort has just been so much more that it's kind of like when you take something from your child and it's a good thing, like a sucker or, you know, whatever it is, but you know what's best for them. God knew what was best for us. And this was always his plan A for us. God doesn't give us plan Bs. Our life can be hard and it might not go the way we plan or how we hope, but it's never plan B. You know, me not going to college, but marrying instead wasn't a plan B. It was still his plan A. I just had to realize it was the plan I was supposed to do. And the same thing, like losing two babies early on wasn't a plan B. The two children I had after that wasn't plan B. It was always his plan A. And Liliana was always his plan A. Having her up to 36 weeks and then losing her um, was always his plan A. And that's been so comforting. And what I've really rested in was that his plan, he's in control. And his plans are better than my plans. His ways are better than mine, even when they hurt. Even when, you know, I don't give my children everything they think they should get and they're grumpy and they're throwing a fit on the side and I can leave that situation calmly because I know what's best for them. Losing her that day didn't throw God off, didn't make him ruffle through the papers and get to the next step where he's going to fix everything. He had it all planned out and his grace was so sufficient. After we grieved her, we were supposed to wait to have another baby or to think about another baby for a year. And the way things had just worked, eight months later, I was pregnant again. And that was exciting yet fearful. And I had prepped myself that, okay, here we go. If we're going to lose another one, I'm going to be okay with it. And not that I was hoping to lose, but God had really just given me rest that because he's in control, I can go through another entire pregnancy. And if he takes her again, it will be okay. So I really went through all the stages. So early on when I first miscarried, you just try to make it to that moment when you miscarried. So first time was 10 weeks. I just wanted to get past 10 weeks. This third time I had to get through 35 weeks and five days. And that was a long time. Oh, God is good. He was sustaining in it all. And he just really, he got us through. And we had another little girl, which was amazing. And it was great. Like, you know, you, you take all the pictures afterwards. And, and I had friends say, wow, your eyes look so different. 
that was different to me because in my mind, I didn't realize I was maybe giving off grief. You know what I mean? And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, maybe people just saw things differently, but they would say, oh, it was just maybe a relief to everybody else too, to see that there is sun after the rain. There's that rainbow after a storm. And God's good in that. He's good to give us peace and rest after such a hard time. And then he wasn't done. 16 months later, I found out I was pregnant yet again. So yeah, I had five babies in seven years. And I always say five because I delivered her. I delivered Liliana and her her mark was left. You know, so um, five babies in seven years is a lot. And uh, we had another little girl. We named her after her sister, Liliana. So, and my doctor, she was always nervous <laughs> to deliver another one of our babies, but she was always very kind and it's been really good. So yeah, we, we did have sunshine after the rain and it happens because God's mercies are always new. And there, you know, that's my, one of my favorite verses is, is that verse of his mercies are new every morning. Because even when it's hard, the next day comes and he's good. And it's not just saying God's good. Like you can just say it flippantly like, oh, yeah, he's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. No, God is good, period. He's good in the hard times. He's good in the good times. He's good even when we don't want it. The fact that I'm breathing right now, he's good, you know, and he's gracious in that. He is a good, good father. He knows what we need when we need it. This is the foundation of our trust in him. Even deciding to have another baby was really a crossroads because I I couldn't wait to be a wife and a mother. And for me, I didn't want, I knew I would not be okay with ending on a tragedy. I knew myself, even if I would have done it out of fear. But what was really hard for me was having everybody that didn't know me see my family of four, little boy and little girl, you're good, right? I wasn't okay with that because I knew I had one nobody could see. I knew I wasn't just a family of four. My husband was more nervous than I was because from his view, he wasn't there. And when he had gotten the call that I had gone in for an emergency C-section, he was terrified. So I also had to be loving in, in that too and respect his fears because it's not just me dealing with the loss. My husband was dealing with the loss too. And husbands do grieve differently, might not always show that they're grieving, but they do it in their own way. And I had to learn that. So he was terrified because at one point he thought I was dying. The nurses and the doctors were not letting him come in to be with me during that C-section. So he thought I had died, which I'm sure is very terrifying. He was good with having two children. And I just knew I, w I was not. So there was a fear of never having any more. There was a fear of just being afraid to have more. But thank goodness we were never in control of getting pregnant. <laughs> like there are precautions you could take or not take, but God gave us those children at the moment he gave them to us. You know, I always thought, oh yeah, we'll plan the people who can plan out pregnancies perfectly. I need to learn that because <laughs> I never was able to learn that at all. God gave us our children when he did. And I think he really gave us Annalise, who was our fourth um, rainbow baby. Um, he gave her to us when he did because otherwise we probably would have been too afraid to do it. So sometimes when you are okay with God's plan, you just roll with it, <laughs> which is kind of the story of my life. We just roll with whatever happens, but it is trust. It's learning God's truth. It's just resting in his truth and his promises. And when you know that you're not in control of something and you have to trust and, and you're all in it, I'm not saying I was always all in it, but because of God's grace and his goodness and his love for me, and because I'm his child, I can rest in him. You know, when we're very comforted, we want to sit on our father's lap and we know we're okay. And sometimes when you do sit on your parents' lap, you can fall asleep because you know they're going to protect you and they're going to care for you. So that's really how I've viewed that. 
And it was really just getting to the next pregnancy and getting through that, not knowing what was going to happen, being terrified of another C-section. Uh, yet again, I was trying to be in control of that, um, wanting a V-back and my doctor letting me think I was going to get to have one and knowing there's no way in the world she was going to let me do that. It was really just trusting. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, think on those things. Scripture is what I had to go to. I had to quickly and deeply like know God's word. I had to hide it in my heart. And I've learned so much about God through losing Liliana. I always say she's a sweet blessing and a sweet gift, not because she was our little baby and you know, I was just trying to cling on to that, but because I've learned so much about God through losing her. Would I have learned just as much with having her? Maybe. But because we lost her, I learned so much about God. And I know that that was what was best for me. And there's so many things that he wants us to know. And there's so many things about him I don't even know yet. But she's so sweet because of God, because of Christ, because of who he is. And that has really been what has made my pain light. It hasn't always been light, but hes it's so hard to explain and describe sometimes because it just doesn't seem real. How can you have so much faith in how good God is when there's so much pain, when everybody's story is so hard, everybody's life is broken? You know, we're all broken, but that's why Christ died for us, you know? So when we can trust in that, we can let him guide us and let him guide our life. And that has helped me. It's not just helped me through learning about God, but it's also helped me teach my children about who he is. And for that, I'm forever thankful. He's given me situations with my children to just te so many teachable moments where I can be like, you know what? It's okay that this has happened. It's okay you don't have this because remember your sister. Remember what God did with us with Liliana. She's just as if she's here. We talk about her as if she's here, which she's not, but we can talk about how good God is because of her. It's just a repetitive story over and over and over. And even now, my older two don't remember her and my younger two didn't know her. And for a long time, they just thought Liliana was a flower. <laughs> we use a stargazer lily um, in honor of her. So for a long time, they just thought she was a thing, you know, or a cloud or who knows what. But I've been able to teach them so much about God because of her life. And if God allowed us to lose her for moments that we're not even there yet for, like, okay. A peace that passes all of our human understanding. Music speaks hope and life and love into the most difficult circumstances of life. Helping us even get through my first two miscarriages, I clung to, to music that was filled with truth. One main artist, Sela, was huge for me. And I just remember clinging to their songs that just was filled with who God was and how great he was and songs of sorrow. I just clung to them. And I was so thankful that I could listen to music filled with scripture and just grab onto that because we all are always running to something for hope. We're always needing that to cling to. And then, so that was really helpful when I lost my first two. And then when I lost Liliana, more scripture, just songs filled with scripture. So like, it was really hard for me to go to church on Sundays for a good year. Not because that's where her memorial service was and that was part of it, but because of the music, because of the truth-filled music that is so powerful. I mean, God gives us music. He He gave it to us and it was it's for our good. And he, you know, there was one, there's one song and I had it, but it was, there's a line in there that says, behind a frowning providence, God hides a smiling, his smiling face. And when our, our pastor had touched on that, I just clung to that because it's so true. You know, just in the bad, God's there. He might not reveal himself immediately, 
but he is there and he it's okay and he's not smiling because haha he got us now <laughs> you know he's smiling because he knows what's going to happen and he's got it all there he wrote the whole book and he wrote it even before i came around so music has really been been huge and another one that was has been really big for me is ellie holcomb she her music <laughs> has been so helpful and even now just some of her her songs it's it's really the songs I don't want to say with meaning because everybody who sings a song and has written a song it has meaning to them for me it's truth when scripture is sung that's when I'm like okay because <laughs> it's God's word you know and his word is living and it's alive and it's powerful and if we can rest in that there's a hope that we can have doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean the days are going to be easygoing and not stressful. It just means that I can hold his hand. I can rest that he can hold me through it. It's true. Another verse that I have really clung to was Jeremiah 29 11. And for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. True. Scripture is scripture. And it's in the Old Testament. And maybe God had used that for a different meaning. But for me, I clung to that because, you know, he knows the plans for my life. And they might seem like they hurt me, but he doesn't mean them to hurt me. And it's to give me a hope and a future that's forever promising, you know? So it's been so good. E even in the pain and in the loss, it's been good. My kids right now are 12, 11, 8, and 6. So I have a sixth grader down to a kindergartner. So the milestone of this is my first year not having any children at home. So our family's looking different. I had always rested in being a mom of toddlers and I was good with that. And now that's not me anymore. So I'm really spent this last year trying to figure out who I am. Like I'm an actual person <laughs> outside of my children, which has been different, but good. Different things I clung to, to get me through. Like when you don't have a baby that you hope for, you try and fill that gap. And for me, a way to fill the gap was trying to honor her in ways. So every birthday, we try and do something special. Every Christmas, we try to incorporate something with her, whether it's an ornament or something. You just try to make things, you try to cling to something so she's involved, even though she's not here, um, which is, might be a coping mechanism. But one thing for me was I needed her close. So I, a friend of mine had made me a bracelet and it had her picture on it and it was perfect and it was handmade and I loved it. And then it broke. And part of me was like, ah, it was my comfort zone. So I had to get another one. And I found somebody else that made me a bracelet and it had her. And then I incorporated all of my children on it. But it's just something that I have used to be able to talk about who God is and, and my story. I carry it with me all the time. So those things, I know sometimes you just need something to get you through because your brain does a lot of wacky things. <laughs> yeah, during grief and even later, just trying to keep it all normal. You want to be normal in the pain. <laughs> you know, you don't want to seem too crazy, but sometimes our brains do things that are crazy. God gives us a hope and future, even through valleys of grief and loss. He is there. Rest in Him. This was Shine 180, Amy's story. I'm Steph Reynolds, Director of Partner Care here at Shine.fm. Your story matters. Your story offers hope and encouragement to others. Share your story today by calling 855-987-9866. That's 855-987-9866. Shine 180, stories of lives transformed by God because of your faithfulness.